You are listening to the Mercy View podcast. Mercy View exists to be a gospel-centered family of missional disciples to the glory of God and for the city's good. For more information about Mercy View, please visit our website at mercyview.com. Now, let's taste and see that the Lord is good. All right, let's read scripture for the sermon. Please stand with me. Romans chapter 1, pick it up in verse 8 and go to 15. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith. Your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may know at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift of st- to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, for I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. Good to see you. Welcome to Mercy View. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're visiting with us tonight, honored that you've chosen to worship with us. Pray that this uh, worship gathering would be a continued encouragement to you as we continue to move forward together this evening. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, and I've told parts of this story before, uh, the, the two-a-days of football practice before my senior year of high school, I got hurt. And I got hurt to the point where I had to get surgery, and I missed my senior year of football which was tough because our team went on to the state championship. I got to watch all that from the sidelines. But one of the things that the Lord did through that that experience uh, was humble me in a lot of ways. And one of the things that I remember really distinctly was going to my doctor and him saying, like, you're going to need physical therapy, so you're going to have to come for multiple sessions a week and work out the scar tissue and It's going to be a long and involved process. He said, but something that might help you make that process go more quickly is you need to wait tables. And I thought that's the weirdest thing that that I've ever heard a doctor say in my life up to that point. And he goes, yeah, you you might be able to help yourself out a little bit, get a little bit more uh, movement uh, with that breaking of that scar tissue by going and serving in a restaurant somewhere because you're going to be moving around, walking around a lot. So I took his encouragement to heart, and it just so happened that in this little city I grew up in, in southeast Missouri, there was a restaurant that had just opened in a train station that wasn't being used anymore um, by a chef who had graduated from uh, an organization called Teen Challenge. Some of you may have heard of Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge is a, a ministry where folks who have been walking through addictions with alcohol or drugs, they, they sort of just 
they get them into this space away from everyone, and, and uh, it's a Christian deal, so it's part detox, but part spiritual formation, and this particular man, his name was Nikki, um, went through that program and graduated from that program, and uh, he was from New Orleans originally, so instead of moving back, though, to New Orleans, he, he said, I'm just going to stay here uh, in southeast Missouri, the Boot Heel, and I'm going to open up a Cajun restaurant in this little train station here. I went and, and I had no experience waiting tables at all, but I went and, and interviewed and got hired. And I remember one of my first conversations with Nikki, and it's really where I, I began to first understand what many of you who worked in the service industry or customer service or something along those lines have, have learned. It's a phrase, you probably can finish it for, for me, but it's this, the customer is always Right, okay. So I don't know if he specifically said that phrase to me, but what he began to say to me was, Brad, you're a waiter. Your job is to wait on people. Your job is to serve people. You have responsibilities. You have uh, things that you are responsible to, to do for the customer. And, and your job is to go out and to serve them to do what they need. Now, why would he say something along the lines of the customer is always right in the places maybe where you've been, where you've heard that? Why is it important to think that way? The customer is always right. Well, because when push comes to shove and things are difficult, we don't want to think that, right? We, we want to, <clears throat> let's say a, a customer has a problem with their food. Um, we, th I mean, we're just the waiters, right? We want to say something, well, I didn't do this. This is the, you know, the cook's fault. No, what we do is we say, I'm really sorry, sir or ma'am, and let me see what I can do to, to make this right. And we do what we can to serve and to, to make it right, right? So really what I began to learn um, while I was doing therapy for my knee was another thing. It wasn't about getting well physically, but it was about how even there's this sort of spiritual parallel that my job, my, my, my posture um, in life is to think, okay, God, how have you gifted me? What are my responsibilities and how can I use those to bless other people? Now, a church is not a restaurant for sure, but there's a lot of similarities. And I wonder if you've ever thought about this as you come to church tonight or you step into an MC or really any context for ministry or service, um, do you think, man, I need to think about the other people that are here and think about how I can serve them with the gifts or the role that, that, that God has given me. In other words, there is an others-focused sort of posture that we are to have as we think about the ways that we've been blessed, the ways that we've been gifted. Uh, Ryan kind of stole a little bit of, of my thunder. He talked about what the church is. The church is the people of God. The people of God make up the church, and God has uniquely gifted each of us to play a part in the local church to see the, the church flourish and to see the church thrive. I wonder if we would do well to think about how we are to have that posture in this local church. How can we think about the ways that the Lord has gifted us and, and blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others and a gift to other people? Have you thought about that? Do you know what your gifts are? Do you know how to be a blessing towards other people? One of the main things that's gonna help us do that here in the local church is for us to think like a waiter does. How can I serve you? We are in a series tonight in the first of eight books 
of the, excuse me, eight chapters of the book of Romans called Reign of Grace. And we are taking a deep dive into what Paul, it's really his theological treatise. This is like his magnum opus in the New Testament. He wrote a lot of stuff in the New Testament, but this book in particular is, as we said a few weeks ago, kind of the, the mountaintops of his thinking and his thoughts about his theology and his doctrine, but not just theology and doctrine, but the way in which that theology and doctrine impacts the way that we live. And so we've encouraged you uh, that this is gonna be a series we're gonna be in for a while, so go ahead and get on your, your uh, hiking boots as we trek these, these vistas, these mountaintops here in, in Romans, because there are gonna be many, many places where we are gonna encounter the majesty and the splendor and the beauty of who God is. And as we enter into our next passage here in Romans tonight, I wanna invite you to see two things, and here they are. First, Christians desire to serve others in love with their gifts in the local church. Christians desire to serve others in love with their gifts in the local church. And then second, Christians desire to serve others in love to see fruit in the local church. Christians desire to serve others in love to see fruit in the local church. Before I jump into our, our passage, I just wanna give props to uh, the worship team. Um, they've dusted off some classics um, and they did a great job tonight with the, the songs that we sang. Thank you, team. That was awesome. If you don't know, you just heard us say this. Let me just let you know part of why we're doing this. It's our 10th anniversary month, and so we are wanting to just kind of remember and reflect about just the amazing things that God has done. One of the ways we're gonna do that is by singing songs that we maybe sang before you even came here. Um, and I don't, it's hard to dust those off, by the way, and do those, and you guys did an amazing job. Thank you. And uh, Corbett, you cracked me up. I just have to say this um, in the prayer. Your prayer after worship, you said something along the lines of, Lord, we don't wanna be distracted even with the dates of these songs. Um, I appreciate that prayer. We don't wanna be distracted by it because those songs, some of them were written in the maybe late 90s, I think. I think here I am to worship was, so thank you for that. All right, if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, keep them open to Romans 1, uh, beginning there in verse 8. All right, so over the last few weeks, we have spent uh, our time going slowly through verses one through five, and what we've been doing is looking at the way that Paul begins the book of Romans and said that the way in which Paul is beginning the book matters. And here's how he has began the book. He has set the stage for us by saying, I wanna tell you about the substance of the gospel. And what he means by that is I wanna talk about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, but he also goes on to say, I wanna point you to the fact that the, that the gospel has a subject or a center. It's not just about content, but it's about a person, Jesus. And then he goes on to say that it's for the sake of the name of Jesus among all the nations that there is a, a scope to the gospel. So it's not just a gospel for me, but a gospel for we. And he wants Jesus to be known, he wants Jesus to be worshiped in every people group of the world. That's what he means when he says, among the nations. Now in today's passage, in, in some ways, Paul is continuing his greeting to the churches in, in Rome. And I just want us to look at how he continues to do that. Even though it looks like 
uh, a way of him just saying some introductory things, some, some greeting. There's actually profound truth, some things that we need to grab here. So if you would look with me there, beginning at verse 8, Paul begins by thanking God through Jesus for what of his friends? He says, God, I want to thank you so much for the faith of my friends in Rome. Paul says that he thanks God through Jesus for this faith. And, and here's what he means by their faith. He means that though he's not been able to personally be with them, though he longs to be with them, he has heard of the genuineness of their salvation. Word has come to Paul that confirms that his friends in the churches in Rome have a a, a faith that is full of integrity, is full of credibility, and, and um, what's amazing about that, if you really think about it, is in the, this is happening in the middle of Rome, a city that was not sympathetic to the Christian faith, but yet their faith was being lived out loud in such a way that Paul had heard, man, your, your faith is real. Your faith, I am so thankful for the genuineness of your faith. And then look with me at verse 9. Paul writes about a prayer that he has for the churches in Rome. I, I was looking at this this week and thinking, you know, we sometimes might ask, like, I would love to know how Paul prayed. Well, here is a, a window into how Paul prayed. Here's a prayer that we see that he has. This is an example of the way that Paul would pray. And, and I want you to notice first the frequency of his prayers. He says that he is praying without ceasing. Right now, if you heard someone say that to you, you, you know, like just, I don't know, if you heard me say that to you, you might go, really, Brad? Like, without ceasing? Like, you, you, you're, never, you're never going to stop praying for me. You haven't stopped praying for me. You might be skeptical because without ceasing means without ceasing, right? But Paul goes a step further just to say, no, I mean what I say I mean when he says, for God is my witness. Now, Paul is doing something here that is heavy, actually. Paul is actually taking an oath here. He's taking the, the right kind of oath, though. Remember, Paul has never been to Rome, and the Roman Christians have never been with him. So Paul is saying here that, friends, because we haven't been with one another, you may not believe me, but I have been praying for you incessantly, and God's backing me up on this. God can bear witness to the truth of what I am saying. Now, I want you to notice a little phrase that Paul uses to describe the way in which he is praying and serving. It's there in, in verse 9. Paul says, for God is my witness, and then here it is, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. Paul says that the same God who can witness that he is faithful in prayer for them is the God that serves with his spirit in the gospel of his Son. What is Paul saying here? He is saying that his service and his prayers for the Roman Christians are not superficial. He's not serving God to try to get them to think that he's amazing. He's not uh, saying that his service and his prayers are being done so that, that others might think he's a big deal. He is saying it has something to do, something completely different to, to do with him. He says, I am serving you from my heart. It's not about external actions. It's not about what people see. It's about what's inside of me. And he is saying from his heart and from his spirit, he is serving from. And this, by the way, has been the theme that Paul has begun Romans in. We saw this in verses 1 through 5. He is, he is serving from the gospel. 
He is serving from his experience of the gospel. In other words, from the grace that Paul has been served by from God for his salvation, he is now serving others in the same manner. Grace is motivating him to use his role in the church, his gifts in the church to serve others and to pray for others. Paul is showing us what he talked about last week, the order of grace and obedience. It is from grace that we obey. It's not that we obey to get grace, but rather we already have grace, so we get to obey. Now look at what Paul specifically, though, is praying for. It's there at the end of verse 10. He says that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Now, Paul is going to go on to tell us two reasons that he wants to come at them and it's going to get us at the two big ideas that we have for tonight. So let's look at those. Look there first with me, if you would, beginning in verse 11. First, he says that he wants to impart what? Some spiritual gift to you that you may be strengthened. So Paul, just straight up, point blank, tells us that his first desire, when he gets to the Roman Christians is to establish or to strengthen the church there by means of a gift or gifts spiritually that he has been given. And in doing so, Paul tells us a world just in that sentence. At the beginning of this year, we walked through a very extensive series on the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we did in that series is talked at length about the ways in which the Spirit gifts Christians for service in the church. We talked about spiritual gifts. Now, we don't have time to go through all of those tonight to unpack what all of those gifts are, but at a high level, I just want to remind us what a spiritual gift is. The gifts of the Spirit are gifts of grace given by the Holy Spirit that are designed for the edification of the church. And every, the Bible shows us that every Christian is given one. Every Christian is given one, and that means every Christian is, is intended to be faithful with that gift that God has given them. And most importantly, as they use their gift, they are seeking to fulfill their gift in love for God and other Christians. Now, practically speaking, Gifts many times are given at the moment that someone is saved, they are regenerated, but sometimes you, maybe, maybe this has been your experience, you find a, a gift that has been undiscovered is discovered after a period of time. God can gift in different ways. But lastly, we would just wanna say this, spiritual gifts are, are meant to be exercised under two things in the body, under the lordship of Christ and under qualified leadership in the local church. So. Paul, in this passage, says, look, Roman Christians, I can't wait to get to you because one of the things that I want to do when I'm with you is that I want to use the ways that God has gifted me to love you, to serve you, and to bless you. Now, Paul doesn't specify which of his gifts or uh, if it's a gift or multiple gifts that he, he wants to impart to his Roman friends, but he tells us that through the gifts, he wants to do something. He says, through this gifting that I've been given and as I come to you and hang out with you, I want to come to use this gift to serve you. 
Here's the first thing that I want to invite you to see this evening. Christians desire to serve others in love with their gifts in the local church. You guys just saw a, a, a like in real time living example of that with Carrie and Missy. They are an example of, of two women in our church who live this out. They looked at their lives, they looked at the ways that God had gifted them and they said, I wanna serve others in this local church in love with those gifts. So they stepped forward and raised their hand and said, I, I, I'll serve the, the, the Mercy View Kids team and the, that meant that when they would serve the parents of Mercy View and the kids of, of Mercy View and just again, Ryan said, for many, many years. We're so grateful for that. See, their heart is the same heart that Paul has here. Paul's heart in using his gifts with this, these, these, these Christians, which again, he's not met yet or had an opportunity to be with, his heart was like, I wanna come to serve you. I don't wanna come to exploit you. I'm not coming to get something out of you. I, when I look at you, he's saying, I, I don't see a resource for my own personal gratification or improvement. I see an opportunity for ministry. And I wonder if you and I looked at the local church that way, if it would change the way that uh, we think about ministry and about service within Mercy View. Oftentimes, we look, if we're honest, we look at the church as a resource for us. It provides this or it provides that. Paul didn't do that. Paul didn't look at the local church that way. He looked at the local church and said, there's an opportunity for me to look first inside the ways that God has gifted me, but, but think about how I can get those out to other people to bless them and to serve them. How can I minister to other people? Not give, but, but I'm not sorry, not get, but to give. We also see that the purpose of Paul imparting his spiritual gift is so that he and the churches in Rome could be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. This is another piece of what it means for us to serve one another with our gifts. We are mutually encouraged. In other words, the gifts of the Spirit are for the purpose of the fruit of the Spirit. The whole purpose of the function of giftings in the local church is to produce something. It's not just for the sake of service, but actually through that service that something would be produced. Not drawing attention to ourselves, but in order that those who are in Christ around us will grow in faith as well. And I wonder if that's your attitude with your spiritual gifts as well. When Paul looked at the church in Rome, and this would be true for all the churches that he either helped plant or, or inspired to be planted, he had a desire to minister. He had a desire to edify. He had a desire to see brothers and sisters rooted and grounded in the faith and built up. So we would do well to ask ourselves, do we have that same desire to minister to one another in that same way? Paul's very words of description to the Roman church as to why he wants to come to them are actually an exhortation to us, are they not? Now, if you would look me at verse 13, let me read that for us again. Paul continues, he says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Notice what Paul says here. He goes on to say in verse 13 that the reason that he hasn't come yet 
is because he's been providentially hindered. Back in verse 10, we just said this, that we had seen he's been praying that God would allow him to come. It's been a long time, but he's desiring to come to Rome. And here we see that Paul says the reason that he hasn't been able to come is because he's been providentially hindered. It's not what God has wanted up to this point. But when Paul is able to be with his friends in Rome, first he says, I wanna be able to use the way that God has gifted me to be a blessing to you. But then secondly, he says here, my aim is for a harvest among you. We've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but look at the words that he uses in Romans verses 11, Romans 1 verses 11 through 15 to talk about this goal. In verse 11, he talks about establishing them in the faith. In verse 12, he talks about encouraging them, being mutually encouraged with them in the faith. And here he begins to talk about the fruit or the harvest. He says, I am looking for a harvest among you. What's Paul talking about? Paul wants to see people converted to Christ, and he wants to see Christians built up. In other words, his aim is both evangelism and edification. He wants to see people come to know Jesus. We're going to hear a little bit more about this next week with Pastor John as he talks a little bit more about the, the way that Paul is going to use the gospel in, 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 in sharing that good news with others. But Evangelism, yes, but also to Christians who already have accepted Jesus. Paul is saying, I want to build you up. I want to see a harvest of fruit among you. So Paul knows, and Paul says this because Paul knows that Christian discipleship includes both things. It means bringing those into fellowship with Christ that aren't in fellowship with him now, and as they're brought into fellowship with Jesus, making them disciples of Jesus. Because you can't be a follower of Jesus and not be a disciple of Jesus, right? You can't be saved by Jesus and not be a disciple of Jesus. And so his work of edification or, or sanctification is going to entail not only bringing people into the kingdom, but building them up in faith in the kingdom. And so Paul here says, that's what I want. When I come to you, I intend to use my gifts to bless you, to serve you, but, but, but I want us to mutually encourage one another. And I think what's built in there is Paul is saying, I want you to use your gifts as well because what's gonna happen is as we mutually encourage one another, there is going to be a harvest of fruit among us. By the way, even in that little phrase at the end of the sentence there in verse 13, uh, he says, look there as among the rest of the Gentiles, Paul is telling us something about the Roman church. He's saying to us sort of parenthetically that the people in the Roman church were predominantly but not exclusively Gentiles. See, most of Paul's churches started the other way. They started with Jewish people or a Jewish core. He would go, he would go to the synagogue for a few weeks and at the end of those weeks of preaching uh, in the synagogue, he would say, anybody wanna be a part of, of, a, of a church? And after that, he'd gather the core group and they would begin to meet in someone's home and a church would be planted. But that group would continue to build and build and they would make a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and they would become established, actually, as a church. And they would become Jewish Christians, Jewish followers of the one true Messiah. And then that group of people would begin to reach out to non-Jewish people in their area and, and in the Bible, that typically that category of people, you would just, this idea of Gentiles is what typically is, is understood. 
So that way, Paul could at least assume that those Christians, the Jewish Christians, had some understanding of God's word, which at that time would have been the Old Testament. And then he could work out to those who didn't have any understanding of God's Old Testament, like the Gentiles, in that particular community. And that was how most of Paul's churches started. But these Christians in Rome, or these churches, are apparently mainly Gentiles. And as he speaks to them, he says that he wants them to have a harvest of fruit among them, just like among the other Gentiles. And what he's saying is, you can have the same kind of harvest of fruit that Jewish Christians have in the churches where they are at, because the gospel is the gospel is the gospel. See, Paul's view of the ministry, no matter what kind of church was planted, was one of spiritual fruit. The ministry, and, and you and I have to keep this in mind because it is so easy to drift on this. The ministry is not an end into itself. Ministry or service in the church is a means to an end. The purpose of preaching, what I'm doing right now, is not preaching. The purpose of, of ministry and sung worship that you heard here earlier is not for, for ministry and sung worship. The ministry that's happening back in Mercy View Kids right now is not just for the purpose of ministry back in Mercy View Kids. All of this is intended to work together to bring about a harvest of fruit in our lives and in this church. It's not to get you to just think about stuff. <laughs> It's not to just get you to care about some things. The purpose of, of anything that we do here at Mercy View is not the function itself. That is only the means to the end. The purpose is fruit. The purpose is harvest. So the question in front of us is, do we see that? Do we see fruit among us? Here's the second thing I want to invite you to see this evening, and it's this. Christians desire to serve others in love to see fruit in the local church. I wanna ask you this. Again, we've gotta remember the first piece of this. You have been gifted in, in A or many ways, and as you come into the, the church house here on Sunday evenings, or you step into your MC, or any other context for ministry here at Mercy View or service at Mercy View, as you prepare to fellowship with your, those Christians in those spaces, is it a conscious thought of yours that you desire to see fruit among them? Like, do you even think that way? Like, as you came tonight, was it ever a thought of yours as I'm coming to Mercy View tonight to serve and to bless others because I want to see fruit in their life? In other words, it's one of the things as you go to church in any context, not just that that you wanna get something out of the sermon or that you wanna fellowship with your friends, fill in the blank on or whatever that is, but that you are going to church with the agenda of blessing and encouraging a fellow Christian to see fruit produced in their lives. If our heart is Paul's heart here, friends, that's one of the things that should be at the forefront of your minds, and look, I get how crazy it is sometimes before a worship gathering to get here. You have a million thoughts. But I want to encourage you, and I'm encouraging my own heart in this. Am, am I coming to church with that heart, with, with that at the forefront of my mind, uh, my mind that I want to uh, see the fruit of the Spirit like in real time with you happen? 
Are we yearning to encourage to see that harvest of fruit among us? Paul says that when he thinks about the Roman Christians, he wants to not just see fruit, by the way, he wants to see a harvest of fruit. That means he wants to see a lot of it. That's the way we ought to think too. We ought to think, how can I, with the way that God has gifted me, encourage a brother or sister here tonight? How can I encourage them to produce fruit in their work, to produce fruit in their family, to produce fruit in the way that God has called them to mission, whether that's in their neighborhood or other places? A person who serves with that heart, a person whose spiritual service is genuine, is only content with that. Because if not, we're just doing it for some other reason that doesn't really matter, or just for the purpose of doing it. Friends, we've gotta do better than that. We've gotta think and, 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 and have a heart towards our brother or sister here to see the fruit of the Spirit grow. Here's the, the problem, and this is true of me. Um, if we're honest, we are content with lesser things like getting lesser things, caring about lesser things. Honestly, the enemy wants nothing less than that for you. He wants you to settle for something far less than what you ought to settle for. And if you can settle for something less than what Paul is talking about here, it is likely, it is possible, that your service is external. It's about what others see, not about what God sees, or about what you want to see in that other person, which is the fruit right, that can come from your blessing and serving them. Friends, it should not be about praise for us, right? It should be about a way that we see a harvest of fruit that brings praise to God and worship and honor to him. Paul says, Roman Christians, I'm here for the fruit that I want to see in you. When I get to you, I want to see a harvest of it. Is that our heart in ministry and service here at Mercy View? First, Christians desire to serve others in love with their gifts in the local church. Second, Christians desire to serve others in love to see fruit in the local church. We said at the very beginning of this that Paul doesn't use any words unnecessarily. You maybe didn't know all of what we just talked about was here in verses 8 through 13, but Paul is desiring to say something to us and to show something to us and to call us to something here that you and I need to take to heart. And really, this should cause us to ask this question as we close tonight. Do we desire these things? First, do we, can we even say that we have a desire to serve others? That both of these things, whether it's to serve others with our gifts or to serve others in a way that we would see a, a harvest of fruit, do we have a desire to serve other people here? And Paul does a really helpful thing here. He doesn't just say, like, generally, like, just serve others. He, in a general way, he says, no, how have you been gifted? How have you been blessed? What are the ways in which God wants to use you to be a blessing towards other people? And so maybe some of you here this evening would say, Brad, I, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. I want to encourage you to come chat with me or one of the other pastors here. We would love to talk with you about how you can figure that out. Some of that is, is discovered. Some of that is, is affirmed within the church community. But we would love to be able to walk with you and talk with you about that. So look, if you're here tonight and you would say, I don't really know where I'm gifted, I can understand how for you, you're like, I, I don't know how to serve other people, so I don't have a desire to serve other people. Look, there's grace for that. So let's talk. Let's talk about what that means. But here's 
The other thing that, that we need to say, many of you do know the ways that God has gifted you. And I, would, I wanna say there's really two groups within that. Some of you are using your gifts right now in really meaningful ways here at Mercy View, and I am so grateful for you. You've heard us repeatedly get up here and say, as we kind of move back to a, a new normal, we need all hands on deck. And some of you have raised your hand and volunteered in multiple spaces. And we are so grateful. Some of you have, are in a season of rest from serving. And we understand that as well. But we wanna encourage those of you who are not yet serving, if you're a member with us, a partner with us, not yet serving at Mercy View as you've kind of come back into the mix here, we wanna encourage you to think about the ways that you can do what Paul is talking about here, to understand your giftedness and then use that giftedness to serve other people. Now, one of the things that's true too in the life of a local church is sometimes there are just some things that need to get done. In my home, somebody's gotta take out the trash. If somebody, somebody's gotta clean the dishes, somebody's gotta do whatever, you fill in the blank. We have some things here at Mercy View where you might say, man, I, I'm not really gifted, Brad, with kids. Um, the thing about serving and loving kids back in Mercy View Kids, in, in some ways, is less about how gifted you are but how available you are. And I want to encourage you to think about not just how am I gifted, but am I available for God to use me, maybe even in a, in a place that's outside of my comfort zone? We have needs, friends. We have needs with Mercy View Kids. We have needs with the worship team, AV. We have many places where if you would just say, Brad, I'm available, we will get you in a spot and you will be used. And friends, this is the truth. You will be a blessing to this church. So I wanna encourage you to Think about this, like do you have a desire to use your gifts? Do you have a desire to use your availability here in Mercy View to serve others? But here it is, what the goal is, what the aim is here isn't just that a bunch of us are serving side by side, we're just good teammates. The purpose is that we as a team are getting to experience the, the harvest of fruit that comes from this service. I coach football right now and one of the the, the most enjoyable things for me is not whether we win or lose, but to see our team all work together in unison with, with one goal in mind. And these, these kids, these seventh and eighth grade, eighth grade boys, that's kind of a hard crew to do that with. It's like herding cats. But here we are in the middle of the season and I'm starting to see the ways that they're working together. And we've had to encourage them to encourage one another and to work together. We've had to correct things. But here's what's happening. There is this thing that's coming, the, the team is coming together, a real brotherhood is, is taking place, it's taking shape. And what's such a blessing for me is that we are seeing as coaches the fruit of their willingness to serve one another for a greater purpose. And that's what God's called us to, friends, here in the local church. Our aim here in Mercy View is to see much fruit produced so that it's a harvest of fruit Right, Paul is talking about a harvest fruit. That means he wants us to see a lot of it. And I do too. Do, do, you? do you? Don't you wanna see that here? Well, let's, let's follow Paul's lead and step out in faith to use our gifts and our availability in love to serve one another, to see fruit in this local church. And I think what's gonna happen when we do that, this church gets strong and powerful. It really becomes a city on a hill in a, a time that's really difficult to do that. I really pray that you and I would take to, to, to heart Paul's words 
as we think about what it means to serve others in love with our gifts, to see the fruit in this local church become a harvest. Let's pray together.